Pastor Corey here with Heights Church. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast. If you would like more information about Heights Church, simply go to weareheights.org or follow us on our Facebook page. If you're looking to get plugged into a church, feel free to reach out to us via our website by simply clicking contact, and we will help you find a similar church in your area. Hope the podcast serves you well, and thanks for tuning in. to me. Um, You guys uh, helped get us started, so we got to come in here. You guys got to love on us and care for us, and your leadership team thought it was fit for them to have weird, awkward mustaches and go to Mexico. Uh, and have us come, and we are so thankful because of your prayers, because of your encouragement, because of your giving, we are able to launch Living Hope, and I want to say publicly that after this Sunday, we will be doing what I call a soft launch at the YMCA downtown Belleville at 9 a.m., and so it's because, yeah, and it's because of... What you guys have done, you guys have phenomenal leaders. Give it up for Corey and David and Jeff. And what you don't see is you don't see Aaron or Kelly behind the scenes and putting things together. Like, you have an awesome team. And, like, just to reflect, like, this is second service, but I'm just thinking, like, dang, like, they could just leave and go to Mexico? That's some good leadership right there. I, I don't, I don't, like, I don't know. I don't know. Corey's just like, yeah, like, like, let's just, let's just give it to them. So I, had, I made him shake my hand and say, hey, can we, can we do this? I don't, I don't know if living help. I don't know if we're going to Mexico. We talked about an Alaskan cruise. I don't know. We're going to do something. And you guys are going to help do set up and tear down what we do. So we got you. We got you. But, which is beautiful that there's like 40 some odd people in Mexico right now. And they're celebrating from the first capital campaign. By the way, there's another one coming up. Be prepared to sacrificially give. Amen. Come on. We could do this, somebody. And, and they're celebrating that. And majority of the people that are there are from the launch team, which is very encouraging for us because it's just like, man, it's, it's hard every week. Like, you know, and it's like you guys have come together and they are celebrating well, which is beautiful. And let's celebrate together because you guys have found a building, y'all. Come on. The ceiling is too low. We need higher ceilings. Like, God is good. Not only do you have a new building, but you've sold this building. Come on, somebody. I love it. Second service is exciting. Like, this is good, y'all. Like, like once you came in here, it's like, you know, you thought COVID and, you know, it, we, we would have all the room needed necessary. But you guys have grown so much as a body that, that you have busted out of the seams in this place. And it is awesome to see God's faithfulness in this place. And so it's so cool. Thank you for letting me be with you and serve with you. I'm going to be a little loud and crazy so you could talk back. It'll be great. All right. So you guys are in Psalms. Okay. And so what, what Psalms is, it's 150 Hebrew poems that is crying out to the Lord. All different ways of how we can all talk to the Lord. It's, it's actually really beautiful because if you're not sure what to pray, you could read a psalm and just pray it out unto the Lord. And it's a way for us to tap into our emotions. And so when I say that, you're, some of you are probably thinking, mm, I don't like to tap into those emotions. Okay. They lead me in wrong places and I don't like to do all that. And you're right. Our feelings, we should not be led by our feelings, but they are indicators of what is happening in our heart. 
And so what begins to happen is we begin to stuff it sometimes. We're like, no, we'll just move on. We'll press on forward or, or we'll just go off on Facebook and use it as our journal and just let the whole world know what's happening in our hearts and our minds and what we feel. And there is a good place for us to navigate through our emotions because emotions are real and God has designed you and knitted you so you can have emotions, not so we can be led by them, but so, so they can show us the condition of our heart. So as we're seeing the condition of our heart, we can be honest and real what happening in our heart because what happens in your heart matters because out of your heart comes what you speak and what you do. So our heart is very important. And so the, the Hebrew writers have penned these wonderful poems and we have David here who, who is on the run and people are, are wanting to kill him. All right. This is a prayer of lament, a prayer of desperation, a, a crying out unto the Lord. And so What's beautiful about this is David is crying out for a, a, for a Messiah that is soon to come. He's looking forward to a king that is greater than him that will make all things new. Is that not for us as believers that we're looking for a king that is coming? Like when we look at the world and what's happening in Russia and Ukraine right now, and we just see the craziness that's happening in our lives, we are awaiting a king that will make all things new. And he will, and he's going to do it. And Corey said this, there's this already but not yet concept. What, what does that mean? The already and not yet. By faith in Christ, all of the spiritual blessings of Christ are ours already. But the full enjoyment of these blessings are not yet. So as believers, that is awaiting a king that will make all things new, we put our heart in a position that it's going to happen. It may not feel like it right now, but I believe it's coming and we're looking forward. So what we do is we read the Psalms together as a body so we can help process together. So how do you respond to trouble? Like what's your knee-jerk reaction? What draws your heart even in the midst of trouble? What do you find comfort in? Some, some pretty interesting dark places that we can go when we're in trouble, because when we're in trouble, we're desperate and we'll do anything for a sign of relief. And it just weighs on you and it's weird. There was a, um, there was a moment in my time in my life very recently when I came here, I was heartbroken because um, I was leaving my home church for like 15 years. And I went to Colorado to go snowboarding and I was having fun, man. It was awesome. And I was shredding it. I was ripping it up. I was like, yes. I was just like feeling free, processing this, this loss and this grief that I'm going through. Like, man, is the Lord calling me to plant? Like, what's going on? And I'm processing these things and my heart is heavy, but I'm trying to enjoy myself, right? I'm trying to, I'm just trying to have a whole bunch of fun. And I'm going down these double black diamonds, which is a really steep hill through a whole bunch of woods and trees. And I'm just going, whoo, whoo. I'm navigating through it. I'm doing my thing. I'm like, yes. And then all of a sudden it's like, I close my eyes, I open up my eyes and then I collide with another person and I flip over and I hit a tree and I, get down and I see this person just kind of flop out of the sky and it just begins to roll down and I'm, and I'm untying on my boots and I'm running over and, and I'm trying to assess him and I'm calling people and I'm like, oh my gosh, like, like what's going on? And, and he got pulled and he went to the ambulance and like, I'm just like freaking out. I'm just like, oh my gosh, like what thinking, what can I have done? Like what's going on? And my heart is heavy. 
heavy. I'm processing all the stuff that's going on in my heart, and now I have this guy that I don't even know that I've collided with. While I'm here, I find out that he is gone. And the weight and the burden that someone else's life is gone because of me was heavy. And when we look at the Psalms, David is not being, he's not having a hyperbole here. He's not saying he's in desperate trouble, like people are after his life. And now I have a life that is gone and I am now in, a, in, a, in this suit, the civil suit, and I'm working through this while I'm here, while I'm trying to church plant. I'm asking the question, like, are we even supposed to plant? Like my wife and I would just like stare at the ceiling in the middle of the night, like, are you still awake? Like, yeah, like, like this is like the weight is just unbearable sometimes. And this is where the text is coming from. It's like that, that, that trouble. Like, what do you do in trouble? Like, where do you go? And the Psalms gives us this beautiful picture. The big idea today is this, that we rely on God's grace to meet our needs. We rely on God's grace to meet our needs. Our greatest need, as well as our greatest source of hope, is in God's grace. Like, guys, like, 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 it's so, like, I can't tell you how paralyzing it is that you just cannot control certain areas. You know what I'm talking about? I don't know if you've been in an area, like, you're just, there's nothing you can do. There's zero. You, could, you can't turn back time. And you're in trouble. And the word grace means this, unmerited favor, undeserved grace. This is a beautiful word, y'all, because... As we see through our lives, we need grace more than ever. And the more we draw close to God, the more grace we need. And we realize more and more as we look at our lives and we look at ourselves in the mirror that we don't deserve it. But yet God gives it. So let's look at this text. Incline your ear, O Lord, and hear me. For I am poor and needy. Preserve my life, for I am godly. Save your servant who trusts in you. You are my God. Like we have David crying out like, Lord, hear me. Come on. I need you in this desperate moment. Life is not looking the way I want to. And I need you right now. I am poor and needy. I love this. I am poor and needy. You and I are poor and needy. And we need to become more poor and needy. And what do I mean by that? I need, we need more of the Lord. For the old saints in this room, it's, it's become more apparent that we need God more and more. We fight so hard to have control over our lives. And newsflash, you have zero control of your life. You can budget all you want. You can have your kids to do everything you want. You can set up your team and your workplace all you want. At the end of the day, the fact of the matter is you and I don't control anything. So what begins to happen is for us to feel significant, we want to be more sufficient in ourselves. And you are a horrible God. I am a horrible God. And we don't rule our kingdom well. And so what we do is we say, God, I need you. I need you. I am poor and needy. I need all of you. I need you. And we need to be desperate for the Lord. And what I've learned in my life is that the more we're poor and needy is exactly where God wants us. I know when we grow up, our parents want us to be more sufficient, out of the house, 
not yanking on their money or their food. <laughs> that boy's still at his house. He's like, I'm taking all the food I can. I'm just, I, That's my youth student, Matthew. He, uh, he eats a lot too. But the Lord with the kingdom, it's upside down. The kingdom is, I want you more desperate for God than you ever have been before. The more your desperation grows each day for the Lord is exactly where the Lord wants us. I know for some of us in this room, we want to, we have measurables, right? I'm kind of like that. Like if I hit this, then I feel good about myself. The Lord says, mm, the more you're desperate and needy for me, the better you are. Because then you won't be the God, the horrible God that you and I are, but you'll trust in the God who is good, right, and perfect. And so what we do is we, 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 we cry out for him. And I, I love this. This is kind of weird in verse two, preserve my life. So save my life, Lord, because it's in a weird, awkward spot for I am godly. What, is it, what does that mean? Uh, he, he is refer, David is referring back to the covenantal promise that for God's people. I, I am a child of you. I, I have submitted my life to you. I am your servant. I trust in you. You are my God. And when he says my God, that, that for us, we need to retain what our God has done. For some of you, I know you don't like diving into your feelings because you get all those, all those things pop up and you don't know how to control it. And again, let me remind you, you have zero control anyway. And what we need to do is we need to properly process our feelings and our emotions. What is happening and why are you feeling what you're feeling? Some of you, here's a practical step if you're taking notes. You should journal. You should actually process what's happening in your heart authentically. Like give it all out. Like lay it out. Talk it out. Like it's important for us what's happening into our heart to register out of our mouth unto the Lord. That's what he wants Okay, what we do is we keep it inside. And when we keep it inside, you begin to tell yourself a story. And sometimes that story is not true. And it's so untrue, but you keep rethinking it. You think it is true. And so what begins to happen is sometimes when you pen it or you speak it out loud, there's a level and a way of processing that is so important. So when you say, my God, it becomes personal. This is your God. Like your God created the world with his words. Your God spoke the cosmos into existence and put the earth on its proper axis and had it spinning in gravity and had all the earth, wind, sea, and sky. Everything was created out of his words, and then he created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female, and he breathed the breath of life into humanity, into the world. Like, that's your God. So when we pray, we're praying with a God that does something. A God that can speak a word and things happen like that. Like when, when he says, my God, it gets personal. This is personal. When you're in trouble, it's personal. And we got to pen it down. We got we to give it out. We got to cry out to the Lord. And what are we crying for? We're crying out for grace. We need unmerited favor. We need undeserved favor. Some of you have epically messed up in this room. And the Lord knows it and says, I love you. That that grace, that favors for you. And we need to believe it. But here's the fact. You don't. You don't believe it. You have unmerited favor on your life. Not because you deserve it. Not because you've earned it. But because God graciously gave it to you. And you're thinking, who am I? You're nobody. <laughs> you're nobody. This is why it's called amazing grace. How sweet the sound that you would save a wretch like me? 
out of that response, we cry out. Verse 3, be gracious to me, O God. For, I, for to you I cry all the day, gladden my soul of your servant. For, for to you, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. Like sitting in this weird tension. It was a year, y'all. A year of like, what am I going to do? We thought all the money we're fundraising, we're going to have to pass this church on to somebody else because we're going to spend 500000 plus dollars on a suit that we have no money for. Like, we're just like, I don't, I don't know what to do. And it is, I love the psalm here in verse four. Lord, just make my life happy. <laughs> like, I just want to be happy, like gladden my heart. Like, it's an okay prayer to say, God, I want to be happy right now because I don't feel it. I need some relief right now because I don't feel it. Have we been authentic in our prayers that much to say, God, I just want to be happy? Have you been there? Has anyone been there? Am I the only one that's been in trouble? I got one person. I got two. I got three. I got four. Thank you, somebody. Come on. That we would cry out to the Lord like he's here. Like, make me happy today, God. I'm not feeling it. Depression sucks. You're just in this dark space and you feel like everyone else is far away from you and no one else can relate to you. You're in a room full of people, but yet you still feel alone. You know you have family that has your back or that doesn't have your back and yet you still feel alone. Like it's real, y'all. Like our, our mental health is real and we need to process well through the Psalms. We need to pen our thoughts. We need to be able to talk about our feelings. And I know you don't want to dive into the pain and the suffering of all that, but I'm telling you right now, it comes out. I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but check this out. You stuff it, who's it come out on? Mm-hmm, your spouse, your kids, your friends, all those that you love, all those feelings that you've put underneath the rug, all that pain and hurt that you've had from your childhood, you shove it underneath the rug and it comes out in pressure like moments. And the only time you're ready to let that go, because you put your best face on for work, right? You put your best face on for all those people that don't know you. But as soon as you get comfortable, you, you can't help but spill out everything that is in your heart onto someone that you love. And what happens for you and I is we do it in a wrong way. And what would it look like if you and I were vulnerable with our struggles and letting it go? And I know it's scary, y'all, because if we're honest with this, in this room, we don't trust people and we don't want them to hurt us. But what we're doing by stuffing our feelings, we're actually, that's a weapon we're using against the people that love us most. And so we would do ourselves a favor, we would do our family a favor if we're willing to process well. This might look like a professional counselor for you. You might need to pay your best friend to talk about your emotions, to talk about your heart. If you really feel like you can't, li you literally can't trust anyone with your information, you may just need to invest some money into a professional counselor. Thank you. Do it. <laughs> Buy that journal too. Journal it out. Even if it's three words, like, Lord, my life sucks today. Period. Close. <laughs> it's powerful. It really is. You should try it sometime. Like, because sometimes you don't have any words in the midst of darkness. Like, you're just so scrambled. You're just so chasing and grabbing. And you're realizing you literally, you just don't have control. And I had no control. And I was just like, what's going on? Why am I planning a church now? This doesn't make any sense. Like, Lord, like, I just want to be out of the ministry. I just want to be a firefighter. <laughs> let's go. Let's go. That's all I want to do. 
I just want to rescue people out of burning buildings. Let's go. I just want to be a superhero. I want to deal with all this stuff. We're messy. It's expensive. <laughs> Spiritually weighty. Like the weight of planning a church is unreal. It's like the closer I've been getting in this process, the heavier everything feels. And yet at the same time, his grace is, able, is letting me like flow down a river. It's really weird. So the pressure is on. You can feel it. But yeah, you're kind of gliding. You're kind of in. And, and it's undeserved because I don't deserve it. And yet he's navigating through that. And he does that in the midst of trials, even when we don't feel it. Even when we feel like we're not moving towards something. Because for us, achievement is accomplishing something, building a house, painting something. But for the Lord, achievement is this. You trusting and seeking his face above all else. That's what he wants from us. So as we cry out, we're like, Lord, glad in my heart. Remember, the big idea here is we rely on God's grace, his unmerited favor to meet our needs. Verse 5, for you, O Lord, are good and forgiving and abounding in steadfast love to all who call upon you. Give ear, O Lord, to my prayer. Listen to my plea. In the day of trouble, I call upon you and you answer me. Like, he's recounting the character of God. When we pray, are we recounting the character of God? Can we say that our God is good? Like, can you look back at your life? Can you pick one moment in your life that God has been good? Thank you. <laughs> we want to take that out. This is why journaling is important. Because we forget. We're forgetful people. We want new, 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 new. That's why social media will scroll through. When we're scrolling, we're addicted to that new, right? We just want to scroll to the new thing, right? But for us, for the saint, we need to recall back the faithfulness of God. Our God has been good, and we should remember these things. And we forget. I forget. Like, did you not know that when you were born, like, that was a miracle? Like, there's so many complicated things that have to go right for you to come out looking how cute the way you did. It's like, I remember my firstborn, when she was born, I was like, how do people not believe in God? Like, this is crazy. Like, this baby just came out of my wife, and it's like, this sweet, oh my gosh. Like, you were a miracle. Like, the breath of God came upon your life. And we forget, because the trouble seems so daunting, that we forget that he's been good in our life. When was the last time God was good in your life? When was the last time your heart was just happy? Like, we should recount those things. We should think about those things. And is our God not forgiving? Is he not forgiving and abounding in steadfast love? Like, this is who he is. Like, David is recalling back to who God is. Like, that is the first five books in the Bible. He's recounting that. God is a creator and maker. He's recounting that. Man messed it up. And yet, God still had a mission and a purpose that there would be a Messiah that would come that will crush the head of the snake. And then he saw that Moses could take a whole nation, a whole nation of people out of the superpower of the day and just take them out with some plagues, y'all. Plagues. You took a superpower nation out through plagues. What did the children of Israel do? Just waited. They just trusted in God. The call that God had on Israel during the Exodus was this, eat and trust in me. Did they not? Slaughter an animal and put blood on a doorpost and then eat? That's crazy, y'all. For you and I, in the midst of our community, our missional communities, in the midst of trouble, it's best for us to eat 
with our loved ones, with our family, even in the midst of trouble. You and I, listen, I want to be alone. If I'm sick, don't talk to me, don't touch me, don't look at me. That, that's, that's where I'm at. I, I'm a baby, I admit it, but I don't want to whine to anybody, and I want you to look at me, and I want to talk it through. I'm good. Leave me alone. But when you got little girls, they're so cute. Daddy, are you okay? Yes, honey. But what I realized is I needed them to be there to support me when I wasn't feeling well. In the same way, in your trouble, in your pain, the best thing for us that has loving people around me, this is why missional community is so important, y'all. It's so important. You are not alone. You are not alone. You in this room that is struggling and you want to end your life, you are not alone. You have a family that loves you and cares for you. And you're thinking, no, my family's messed up. No, no, no. This church family right here, right now, we're imperfect, but we love a God who is perfect and you are not alone. It's like we serve a forgiving God. So we're pleading out for grace. I need this unmerited favor. Like I'm calling out to you every day. We are a people of grace, not a people of perfection. We are a people of unmerited favor. That was, so what we do is we sit. We sit and we say, God, I don't want to sit down. I want to do all the work I can, but I know you can do it better than me. And we are not a people of perfection. What I mean by that is we don't need to have everything lined up. You don't need to have the perfect prayer life and the perfect reading and the perfect marriage and the perfect kid and the perfect career. Because God... God works in imperfection all the time. He, cre- he created order out of chaos. He spoke it and then it was put in its proper position. So if our God can speak and make the world from chaos to order, how much more can our God make your life be put back in order? He can speak a word and things can change. And so what we do, we can't fabricate it. We can't make it happen. So we sit And we rest and we say, God, I need your grace. I trust you. We are a people of grace, not a people of perfection. Doesn't our God call the most unlikely people? Doesn't our God provide a way where there is no way? When we had Moses take a whole children of Israel through uh, the Red Sea, he only did is lift up a staff. They've never seen that before. They've never seen a sea just split like that. They didn't know they're going to walk on dry ground. Like the Lord did that. They trusted in him. They're like, God, I need you. And then in the midst of trouble, he came through. Does he not come through in the most unlikely places? Doesn't our God give us strength when we're weak? Doesn't our God show us steadfast love to his people again and again? He provided manna in a desert, y'all. In the desert, he'd kick a rock and water would come out so people can drink it. If our God can provide food from the sky and water from a rock, what can he do in the midst of your trouble? Hear me, you're not alone. A lot of you feel alone. You're not alone. Our God can kick rocks and water can come out. Our God can bring food and it can be provided. When it comes to your children, when it comes to your bills, your God can do amazing and great things. For that child that is just far off and you just feel like they're completely hopeless, no one is too far gone. Your marriage is not too far gone. Like our God is a miracle working God and we need to remind ourselves of the goodness of our God. This is why the scriptures are so important. Forgive me because I'm getting a little excited right now. (laughs) Because, Because the God that you serve does amazing and great things. 
This is our story. The people of faith, as we look to God, he does things. And because of our life, it doesn't look like Exodus. We're not seeing any Red Seas. We're not seeing any plagues. But our life looks a lot like Ruth, doesn't it? So still little moments. And then by the time Ruth looks back and she's married to Boaz, who happens to be the lineage of Christ, it's like, wow, you were working. Can you look back at your life right now and where you're at? Can you say, mm, God has been working. I couldn't even feel it at all. I mean, look back at his goodness and we can look at these stories as like faith for us. Like this is for us. Verse eight, and there is none like you, man. He's preaching over here. There is none like you among the gods. There's no government. There's no Twitter. There's no, there's no job. There's no money that compares to you, O Lord. Nor are there, there any works like yours. All the nations you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord. And you shall, be and your, you shall be glorified your name. For you are great and you do wondrous things. You alone are God. David is recounting the goodness of the Lord. Like he's greater than anything else. And as people of God, what we're doing on a regular basis, I know this might seem old for you, but this is good for your soul to recount the goodness of the Lord, specifically in the midst of trouble. This is exercise that I do that I want to, you can pen this down. It's important. You can whisper it or you can yell it. Depends on your personality. Look in the mirror and remind yourself of the goodness of the Lord. God, you are good. You are so good. And I don't know why you love me, but I trust you and I believe you. Or sometimes just looking in the mirror and like, this sucks. Help. And just look at yourself. Poor and needy as you are, knowing that you have a strong and mighty God that is behind you every step of the way. That's our dad. Our dad provides all of our needs according to his riches and glory, not according to your performance, not according to your good deeds or anything like that. It is his. Everything that is good, right, and perfect comes from heaven above. And so the psalmist, David says this in verse 11, uh, verse 11, teach me your ways, O Lord, that I may walk according to your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. I don't know about you, but it's really hard. Like, you feel like reading the scriptures, it doesn't, you know, it's not like that video you just saw. You know, it was really entertaining. You really sucked into it. You know, that commercial that really drew your attention to in the Super Bowl. Like, those things, like, they draw us, they draw us, they draw us. But the psalmist is saying, teach me your way. Like, as you look at the scriptures, I'm telling you right now, every time you read these words, it is doing something to your soul that you have no idea what's happening. Is reinforcement in the time of trouble. So you feel, oh, nothing's happened. I'm, not, I'm too tired. I'm not retaining it. Do it anyway. Listen to it. Talk it out loud. Like, I know the book doesn't seem sexy sometimes, but it will, it, will, it will save you in times of trouble to remind you of who your God is. We need consistent reminders of who our God is because when you're in trouble, you forget that he's good. You forget that he's there. You forget that he's working. And you think all those blessings are for those people way over there. They're not for me, but they're for you. As we look at the scriptures, teach me your way. Help me to walk according to it. I don't know how to do this. And again, the kingdom is so crazy. The kingdom of God is so upside down. Because he says this, sit and rest in me. And his spirit, the Holy Spirit, will give you fruit to bear 
This is crazy, y'all. So in the midst of your porn, you just say, God, I want this porn, but I know it's not good. I need you. And his grace can work. When you're in the midst of your argument with your spouse and you just feel like you're coming at each other instead of talking to each other, like, Lord, I need you in the midst of, I'm not doing what I need to do right now. I know I don't even care. Invite him into the process. And that grace is amazing. And he begins to lead you towards the right way. It's not you manufacturing things up, but his truth will begin to walk out in you, his spirit. That's why we want our hearts to be united to fear him because we don't want to fear people. We don't want to fear what our spouse is going to say. We don't want to fear what our kids are going to say. We don't want to fear what our, what our, what our coworkers are going to say. We don't want to fear what the, what the government has to say about us. We want to fear the Lord because when you fear the Lord, you'll have clear sight in the midst of trouble. You have clear sight in your life. Some of us, I'm telling you right now, here's your biggest problem. You're so worried about the world when the Lord is saying, look at me. You're so obsessed with all these things. And he says, look at me, look at me, focus, focus, pay attention, pay attention. And sometimes it takes some of you to fall on your face because the Lord's been shouting at you for years, for decades. He's like, yo, look at me. I know this life is messed up. I know your sin is heavy, but I have a plan. I have a purpose. You are not alone. Man, that's for someone in this room. You are not alone. Your life is worth living. There is purpose in every single one of you. This is not a general statement because you're so awesome. No, you're not. But God makes you awesome because of his grace and because of his mercy. So you teach me. Unite my heart, Lord. I need this. So I'm trying to say this to myself in the midst of trouble. And it takes me a whole year, y'all. It's a whole year, whole year of this process. And my wife's talking to people, Corey, through some Acts 29 people in Colorado, talked to this one lawyer and talked to another lawyer and then basically came back at us. And we thought we were going to spend all this money and all these things. And it took one phone call from one guy to lay things straight. And then all of a sudden, this civil suit was laid out in a way that zero dollars came out of our bank account. Zero, just zero. Yeah, amen. Give it up to the Lord and give it up for my wife because I was just like, I was like, I'm done. I'm done. Forget the church. Forget, forget everything. Forget everything. I'm done. I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm done. And yet, in, even in the midst of trouble, like we can call out to him. And so verse 12 says, I give thanks to you, O Lord, my God, with, with my whole heart, and I will glorify your name forever for your For great is your steadfast love towards me, and you have delivered my soul from the depths of Sheol. That depths of Sheol means the depths of the grave, like you have saved my life. Keep in mind, David's life is on the line. He is crying out for help, and he is reminding himself of the goodness of his God. He's reminding himself that his God is steadfast and full of love, even in the midst of trouble. And he even calls it out because there's some crazy people after him. Verse 14, oh God, insolent men have raised up against me. A band of ruthless men seek my life and they do not set you before them. But you, O Lord, are a God of mercy, are God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Turn to me and be gracious to me. Give me strength to your servant and save the son of your maidservant. Keep going and show me a sign of your favor that those who hate me may see and be put to shame because you, Lord, have helped me and comforted me. Like, 
just this raw, authentic, God, I need you. I'm turning to you. I need a sign from you. And, and David, David, all, I, all he has is the book and God's faithfulness of the past. And that has been enough for David, even in the midst of trouble. But we've been given a sign that is far greater than David, that a seed was born. Jesus Christ came on earth fully God and fully man and yet lived the life that you and I should have lived. Walked and preached in power and authority. Did signs, wonders, and miracles. Lived in perfect obedience to the Father and willingly laid down his life to suffer and to die to make you and I perfect. So when he rose again from the grave, all those that put his trust and their hope in Jesus and Jesus Christ alone shall be saved, not on your good works, not on your merits, not on your performance, but his undeserved grace. And God has given you this grace to move forward in life, even in the midst of trouble. I'm telling you, saints, our sure sign is Jesus. We keep looking to Jesus. You feel like you can't pray the Psalms? Say Jesus. Let his power reign over your life and over your mind in the midst of trouble because he is sure enough to see you through. You know how I'm sure about that? You're sitting here today. God has been faithful to you. 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 Even in the midst of loss, and pain. God has been faithful. So we remember, Ben, you can come up. We remember, but we're authentically raw and real about the situation that we're in. Why? Because the Lord wants us to bear it out. It's not like he doesn't know. He knows. But maybe you processing this prayer out loud is for you to work out things that are stuffed in your heart, to lay it before a God that can lift it up higher than you ever can. So what we do is we trust in him. So if you're here today and you don't even know the Lord, I would ask that you would trust and believe in this God, that there's no amount of alcohol or sex or things that you can run to that will fulfill you. Matter of fact, your heart has shown you that nothing is meeting my need and you always need more. And I'm telling you that the Lord loves you and he sees you and he wants to carry that burden. So if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, I ask that you would put your full trust in him. And the saints in this room, what we say is, God, you are enough. Even when I don't feel it. And this is the beauty of communion. We're going to take communion as believers in this room. And what we do is we take communion to remind ourselves that we have a sure sign. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23 says, For I received from the Lord what I have delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper saying, this cup is a new covenant, a new agreement in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. This is a spiritual exercise to kick the devil in the face to say that God, I trust you. So we are just like, I'm crazy y'all. We're just like the saints of old. We sit down and we trust that he will work all things out. And we do that through communion. You want to bust the devil in his face? You want to punch him in the face? You know what you do? You rest in Jesus.
You want to show trouble that it doesn't dominate, it doesn't dominate you? Do you want to show your, your coworker that is maybe treating you wrong or you're being misused? And you want to have vengeance and pull back on them? Maybe your spouse that has ripped your heart out and you wish you could just kill them? And what we do, instead of doing that, we take communion and we say, you know what, Lord? I trust you. So let's take and eat and be reminded that the Lord is good.